Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, Brotherly Love. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we truly believe that you preside your assembly. If two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. There I am in the midst to teach, to rebuke, to correct, to train, to heal, to forgive, to comfort. Oh God, steep us. In the love of God. In the love of Christ. In the love of the Holy Spirit. That every one of us today. Exude that love. In manifestations of loving deeds. Help us O Lord to live that life. Which is the essence of your commandments. To love the Lord with all your heart. With all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And your neighbor as yourself. Teach us the way of love today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Keep on loving each other. As brothers. In the Greek text it says... Let the brotherly love, Philadelphia, brotherly love, continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. Remember those who are mistreated. As if you yourselves were suffering. Brotherly love. That is the subject. And in the Greek language. I will title these three points this way. Philadelphia. That's number one. Philoxenia. One word. Love for strangers. That is particularly believers who are strangers to us. Because they are from far. And philodesmia, which means love for prisoners, meaning that they are God's people and they lost their freedom. They are in prison because of Christ. Thirteenth chapter of the book of Hebrews 1 through 3. And this last chapter of Hebrews has an epistolary ending. Exhorting the readers to apply the author's teaching so far. Teaching must be applied. Not just be hearers only, but doers of God's word. And if you want any blessing to come upon you, then hear and do. And if you want curse to come upon you, Just hear and don't do. Jesus spoke about 
hearing and not hearing, and seeing and not seeing, lest they turn and be healed. And if you are under the power of the Holy Ghost, you will hear carefully and will apply what God is speaking to us. May God open your hearts by his Holy Spirit. As God opened the heart of Lydia, that she may respond to the word preached. The Hebrews, we are told, are receiving an unshakable kingdom. Therefore, they are to be thankful and worship acceptably with reverence and awe. Worship God, for our God is a consuming fire. They are to make every effort to pursue peace with all men. And unlike Esau, pursue holiness without which no one can see God. I was listening to radio last night and some lady, stupid lady, called and said Judaism had a moral code. But Christianity came and Jesus died on the cross and if you believe you will be saved. And Christianity has no moral code. What a stupid statement. But it is what is believed by the vast majority of people who say they believe in the Bible. Or put it differently. As we heard from a college student that the priest said to this person, Jesus kept all the laws, therefore we don't have to keep the laws. Without holiness, no one shall see God. By grace, the Hebrews have come not to Mount Sinai, That terrifying Mount Sinai. By grace they have come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God. To Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. And his sprinkled blood. That justifies us. That forgives us all our sins. That cleanses us. Our conscience. And makes us able to draw near to God with great confidence they are so blessed by God in drawing near to God as priests to offer acceptable sacrifices which includes a lifestyle that pleases God worship is not what we do Sunday morning for an hour or two It is our whole life that is pleasing to God. In Paul's language, they are to offer their bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. They are to glorify God in their bodies because they have been bought with a price, the blood of Christ. You are not your own. So this last chapter has ten 
present imperatives, ten commands. In the present tense, that means keep on doing it, ten commands. Thirteen, verse one, verse two, verse three, verse seven has two commands. Verse nine, verse sixteen, verse seventeen has two commands. And finally, verse eighteen, ten applications. This morning we shall consider three of them in the first three verses. How then shall we live? Well, we must live in brotherly love, showing our love in deeds to our local community, to strangers who come to us, and prisoners who cannot visit us. Of course, applying to all people who cannot visit us. So the first is brotherly love, Philadelphia, verse 1. Let brotherly love endure, continue. Love of our brothers is not a New Testament idea. You find it in the Old Testament. Leviticus 19 and verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. Speaking about Israelites. But love your neighbor as yourself. In this context neighbor means God's people. I am the Lord. Paul tells us the nature of all unbelievers. In Titus 3 and verse 3. At one time we too were foolish. Being hated and hating one another. Sinners are self-centered. Incapable of truly loving others. Sacrificially. Only those who receive God's grace can love one another. And true believers love one another. We are asked here to let brotherly love continue, endure. Brotherly love necessarily exists in a believing community. Because it is the fruit of the spirit. We love one another because we belong to the family of God. God is our father. Jesus Christ is our older brother. So in chapter 2 verse 11 and 12. We are told that we are brothers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed. He's proud to call them brothers. And verse 12 and verse 17 also speak the same thing. Or chapter 3 verse 6 tells us we belong to the same family. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house. If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. 
And the same idea is found in chapter 10 verse 21. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 23 that God is our father and we are all brothers. We are all brothers. In Hebrews 3 verse 1 we are called holy brothers. Let's all together say holy brothers. Not just brothers. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore we are holy brothers. And holy sisters. This love we have for all people. This Philadelphia. Is of God. It's not self generated. It's a gift of God. And we are told in Romans 5 verse 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Ghost in abundance. That we may love God with it and love our brothers with it and also love our enemies with it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son To die for us on the cross. Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts with this divine, sacrificial, abundant love. To love God and others. Not only in word. But in sacrificial deeds. So St. John tells us in 1 John 4, 11 and 12. Since God so loved us. Having sent his son to die on the cross. In our place. Since God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. Philadelphia, brotherly love. Is not an option. But. An obligation. A delightful obligation sir. This is the new commandment. Jesus gave to his disciples. The world recognizes Christians. Only by means of this. Manifest. Brotherly love. And in 1 John 3 and verse 14. We are told brotherly love is the proof. That we have passed. From eternal death. To eternal life. And we are to love one another. Not according to our subjective standard. But according to objective standard of God. Jesus said in John 3 and verse 34. As I have loved. So you must love one another. As I have loved. So you must love one another. And St. John tells us. In 1 John 3 beginning with verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need. But has no pity on him. 
How can the love of God be in him? The answer is no. That love is not in him. He is not a true believer. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Did you hear about that? We must lay down our lives for our brothers. Our time, our money, our presence. And the early church spontaneously, by spirit's direction, practiced this love. And so we read in the book of Acts chapter 2. 44 and 45 all the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need and chapter 4 beginning with verse 32 and all believers were one in heart and mind such unity exists because of Philadelphia No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Verse 34, there were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. God delights when his people love one another and live in unity. And so 133rd Psalm we read, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore there God presides there God is to bless his people to save his people to heal his people to comfort his people to teach his people unbelievers by nature are hateful and so they hate others an unbeliever and a backslidden believer are alike They are like a leech. As we read in Proverbs 30 and 15, my translation. The leech has two daughters. They cry, gimme, gimme. An unbeliever and a backslider can be likened to the black hole. They swallow up everything near them. You could see them. They are always Gloomy, miserable, depressed. They live in winter time. There is no sunshine. Which is a way of sucking your vitals. Jesus warned about this in Matthew 24 verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, that is selfishness. Love of most will grow cold. Self-centeredness is sin. The self-centered loves himself. He cannot love anybody else. Jesus spoke about this in reference to the church of Ephesus. 
Revelation 2 beginning with verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Their first love toward God and God's people. They have fallen from the heights of their first love. And the resurrected Lord speaks to the church. They must remember from there they have fallen. Repent! And come back to first love. Lest they experience his divine judgment. Yet, in reference to the church of Philadelphia, he had no criticism. Revelation 3, 7 through 13, they kept Christ's word, Christ's commandments. Philadelphia church is approved by the Lord, the head of the church. The church of the Hebrews manifested this brotherly love in the past. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. As you have helped his people and continue to help them. Or chapter 10 beginning with verse 32. Remember. See that word itself shows there is a cooling going on in terms of love. Because they have to remember. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. This is the first love. When you stood your ground in a great contest. In the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you have yourselves, that you have that you yourselves had better and lasting possession, which we discovered as the unshakable kingdom of God. So the author is diagnosing the problem of a certain Lack of brotherly love in the church of the Hebrews. So you notice this, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So you see a certain leaking of first love. Certain coldness has entered the church. Therefore this imperative. Let Philadelphia continue. Some we are not in the habit of assembling together. How can we love one another when we do not get together? When we come together, we get to know the needs of the people and we respond to those needs. If we love, we come together. When people do not go to church, it is due to a lack of love for God. And therefore, God's people. Love always seeks the presence of the other. 
love seeks automatically fellowship. So the church of the Hebrews must do everything to promote brotherly love. They must strive to maintain the love of the spirit. And so the unity of the spirit. I said they don't create it. But they must maintain it. Calvin said nothing evaporates more easily than love. When everybody looks after himself more than his wife or others. As a boy I saw how this love manifested in our church in South India. When the Holy Spirit was poured out mightily in the church. No racial discrimination, nothing. All have been seen as members of the same family, brothers and sisters. It was the most beautiful thing. They loved one another sacrificially. And so we practice this brotherly love in this church every day, in every way. There are many illustrations of this. Think of what sister Joanne Roby, wife and mother of three children, did when the Holy Spirit directed her. She gave one of her kidneys to our black brother Simeon Trotter and saw Simeon continues to live and thrive based on the love of God practiced in the church. No racial discrimination here. Brotherly love transcends race, nationality, color, sex, or rank. Why? We all are brothers and sisters belonging to the one family of God, redeemed by the same blood of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. We are an international group of people, family of God, brothers and sisters. This brotherly love is shown to all true people of God. For God's church is local as well as universal. We have small groups in our church to facilitate this brotherly love. In a small small group there are greater opportunities to love one another and meet the needs of God's family quickly. The Bible says we are to consider others better than ourselves. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And Romans 12, verse 10 says, Honor one another above yourselves. Let's listen to what St. Paul is speaking about. This Philadelphia, this love for one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 9. Now about brotherly love, one word, Philadelphia. You do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. That's the nature of the new covenant. The Holy Ghost teaches you that we love one another. And in fact, you do love all brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, what? To do so more and more. That is progressive sanctification. And you read the same in Romans 12 verse 10. 2 Peter 1 7 and many other verses. 
If there is no brotherly love in a church, it has ceased being a church of Jesus Christ. Where there is the Spirit of God, there is love and unity. A church without brotherly love is a synagogue of Satan. Number two, philoxenia, love of strangers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. Strangers. They are especially believers visiting us from far places. Abraham was a stranger in a strange land. We read in 11 verse 13 of this epistle. Yet we read in Genesis 18. His love for strangers. He goes and invites the three visitors. Even before they sought any help. Turn with me to the book of Genesis. Chapter 18. That we may get a flavor of this entertaining of strangers. 18 beginning with verse 2. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them. And bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor, give me an opportunity. If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. And then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Abraham had a habit of planting trees so that visitors can come and sit under its shade and be taken care of. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. And he gives them lodging and food and fellowship, water, milk, curds, bread, meat. And while they ate, he, Abraham, stood serving them. That's what I do. I I cannot eat. When I entertain people, I'm always serving. I'm always walking about. And come home and eat something. Because you are serving other people. You did not know two of them were angels and one was the son of God in human form. He entertained angels unawares. In turn, he received a blessing, the promise of a son through Sarah by name Isaac. Lot also entertained the angels on affairs. Two of them visited Sodom. Lot sought them out. He gave them food and lodging. In turn the angels blessed him and his family by delivering from the destruction of Sodom. And in Judges 13 Manoah entertained a heavenly visitor on affairs. Son of God incarnate. Uh, in human form. God blessed him with a deliverer, Samson. Rahab entertained the two spies who came to Jericho. She gave them lodging and provided for their need. And in turn, she and her family experienced divine deliverance from the destruction of Jericho. Entertaining strangers played an important role In the spread of Christianity in the first centuries of the church. Jesus himself was entertained. 
You read Mark 1.29, entertained by Peter. 2.15, entertained by Levi. 14 verse 1, entertained by Simon the leper. Luke 10.38, entertained by Mary and Martha and so on. And Jesus himself sent the apostles and disciples to declare the gospel. And said, don't take any silver, don't take any bag, don't take any extra clothing, sandals, or staff. You go and stay in a house that will be open to you. Eat and drink from there. In fact, New Testament uses the terms receive and sent on his way as technical terms for receiving and sending the missionaries. And in Old Testament, we read about Elijah. He was sent to Sidon, to widow of Seraphath. And she receives him. Gives him lodging and food. And in turn, she received a blessing. Raising her son from the dead. And so also Elijah, in Second Kings chapter 4, speaks, the Shunammite woman speaks, to her rich husband to build an upper room and put a table and a lamp and a chair and so on so that Elisha can come and be there and stay there and in turn of course she was blessed with a child and Paul writes to Philemon and say prepare a room for me Philemon verse 22 and he expects to visit him and you read Acts chapter 21 St. Paul staying with the disciples in Tyre then Ptolemais and then in Jerusalem in the houses of people and the ship was wrecked in Acts 28 the pagan Publius the governor of Malta entertained Paul and everyone else. There is always a blessing when we open our homes for believers who come to us from far and near. Here is St. Paul says in in Romans chapter 1 and let us understand this as a principle to inspire us to entertain strangers. In Romans chapter 1 Verse 11 and 12, he says, I long to see you, Romans, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Oh, the beauty and the wonder and the strength of mutual fellowship. We are built up and edified. By God's gifts given to each other. Romans 15 verse 29. Here he says. Speaking about his coming to Rome. I know that when I come to you. I will come in the fullness of the blessing. Of the gospel of Christ. There's always a blessing sir. When God's people are getting together. The inns of those days were not suited 
for believers to lodge. They were expensive, they were dangerous, there was immorality, it was unhygienic, and there is discomfort. Professor Lane speaks about this love of strangers in this way. For Christians, a delight in the guest-host relationship reflects the expectation that God will play a significant role in the ordinary exchange between guests and hosts. This lends to hospitality a sacramental reality. God's people getting together is a sacrament. In Didache, we read, invite the traveler into the family and provide whatever was necessary, even to the extent of making provision for the next leg of the journey. And this is what the Bible is speaking in the New Testament about taking care of visitors. Let's turn to Romans 16 and uh, and verse uh, 1 and 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in St. Crea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Such exhortations are given by Paul in terms of Timothy. Lawyer Zenos speaks about the household of Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 16. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 15. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you brothers to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labors in it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. And this hospitality should be characteristic of every leader in the church. Therefore, if you are a pastor, we are, you are known to be. A lover of hospitality. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. Romans 12 verse 13 says we are to pursue hospitality. Have you done that? There are some people I don't know where they live. I just don't know. Now don't invite me. But if you have a heart attack. I have to know how to drive to that place. <laughs> and in First Peter 4 verse 9. Peter says you must practice hospitality without murmuring. It ought to be a delight, sir. It is a sacrament, so to speak. Hospitality and brotherly love are aspects of true worship. Look at chapter 13 and verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased. We are the New Testament royal priests and we have sacrifices to offer and this is a sacrifice. Do you want to receive a blessing? Do you want to entertain angels on others? Then let us practice hospitality. Let us open our houses to those in need. 
Let us open our homes to believers who come to worship with us, yet are strangers to us. Let us invite university students who are here from far places. Let us invite them and eat with them and fellowship with them for the spiritual benefit of both the guest and host. My daughter was attending a law school in California and she also attended a local church which preached the word of God faithfully. The preacher was preaching on hospitality for several weeks, yet no one invited the stranger in their midst. What is the use of preaching without practicing it? Let us practice love for strangers. Let us practice hospitality in the name of the Lord. For brotherly love demonstrated in sacrificial hospitality is acceptable worship of God. And finally, love for prisoners, philodesmia. Love for, remember the prisoners as if you were their fellow prisoners and so on. They have lost their freedom because of their faith in Jesus. They cannot visit us. Remember them. Out of sight, out of mind, we ought to remember them by doing helpful things for them. In the first century, prisons were terrible places. Prisoners were dependent on friends and family for provisions. They needed food and drink. They needed clothing. It was cold place, the prison. They needed reading materials. They needed fellowship of real people, people of God. And they needed ministry of the word to them. They needed medicine and so on. We are to remember them. We are to sympathize with them. We who are not confined in prison are to imagine ourselves being in prison, that sympathizing, and thus know their needs and minister to them. Because Bible says when one suffers, all suffer. One rejoices, all rejoice. We are of the same family. We are all brothers and sisters. That is the idea. This our spiritual relationship is greater than all other relationships and loyalties. And we read in this chapter of Timothy being released from prison. In chapter 13, verse 23, our elder brother Jesus Christ is a sympathizing high priest. He sympathizes with us in all our sufferings and come to our aid. Chapter 10, verse 34, we read how these people took care of prisoners. They had sympathized with prisoners before, so do not forget the prisoners. Feel their pain and do something about it. In Acts 12 verse 5, Peter was in prison and the church was praying for them. And the Lord heard the prayer and sent an angel to deliver St. Peter from that prison. And Paul was in prison and Philippian church sent by Epaphroditus with gifts to help him. And you read in Philippians chapter 4. And Paul says, your gift has been a fragrant sacrifice. Paul, prisoner of the Lord, requests prayers 
of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, 19 and 20. This great apostle in prison, from prison he says, pray for me. God will hear your prayers and will help us. Onesiphorus was unashamed of Paul, the prisoner in Rome. He was unafraid in identifying with him. He sought him out with great effort and refreshed St. Paul. Let's turn to Second Timothy and read it in chapter 1. Oh, he's about to die, and yet he remembers how Onesiphorus helped him. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways count your ways. How many ways he helped me in Ephesus. And to Colossians he writes from prison. Remember my bonds. And Philippian jailer after the earthquake ministered to St. Paul. Washing his wounds and feeding him and so on. We must also remember all those who are ill-treated for Jesus' sake and help them. You do not have too many believers in prisons in the Western world. But we will have them soon as the Western world turns against true believers. They shall be seen as worse than modern terrorists. But these are prisoners. But there are prisoners in other parts of the world. By the thousands, Muslim countries and in communist countries. They need our prayers and material help. In Western countries, we can minister to prisoners, especially in terms of evangelism. We also need to minister to those in hospitals. Uh, We have a thriving ministry to all people's homes. May God bless their work. Grace Valley Christian Center truly practices brotherly love. We take care of the needy in our church and beyond. We glory in this grace given to us through small groups. We are in touch with people's needs and we respond instantly. Even people who are in very large churches, those who are neglected by the mega churches, receive help from us and testify to it. Remember, we are also in body, the author says, subject to pain and suffering. We may not be suffering now, but we live in body. Our time shall come, at which time we would need help. So, so now that you may receive a rich harvest when your time of need comes. The body of Christ shall respond to your need. She shall remember you, not forget you. Above all, the Lord shall not forsake you. He shall, through his church, meet your need. This does not mean, brothers and sisters, that church is to be gullible. We must bear one another's burden when burden is too heavy. But we must all bear our own burden. We are God's people, transformed by grace and delivered from the kingdom of self into the unshakable kingdom of God. We were like leeches and parasites. But now we work hard to help all people, especially the household of faith. So help those in need, especially the believers in Christ. 
our brothers and sisters. So on the last day, we are certain to hear from our Lord's mouth these words. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 34. Let me read to you. And may this be true of you. That you will not hear. Depart from me, you evildoers. But this word. Then the king will say to those on his right. Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you. Since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick. Here is one place we are told Jesus was sick. He means his people were sick. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. If you are an unbeliever, let me tell you, you are self-centered, a black hole, a leech. May God save you as he saved us. Save you today, transforming to a saint, a shining star, a servant of God's people, pleasing God in all we do. And those who are people of God rejoice in this great salvation. And love one another. Evermore deeply. Love gives. Love serves. Love lays down one's life. For our brothers without grumbling. But in fullness of joy. So brothers and sisters let us love one another. As Christ loved us. And gave himself in death. For our eternal salvation. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this great salvation. We were leeches, we were black holes. We were miserable wretches, always depressed, using other people for our own benefits. But you changed us inside out. You made us saints, servants of God. You made us lovers. Lovers of God, lovers of God's people. Heavenly Father, once again, pour out abundance of your love into our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That we may take great delight in the service of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen and amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon entitled Brotherly Love. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.